What's good, everyone? Happy New Year. It's Jay North, the Northern Exposure Podcast. Hope you had a happy and healthy holiday and a good conclusion to the year 2022. Uh, little melancholy this morning. This is going to be a little more of a, of a sports podcast than, than most. But like most of the uh, NFL fan base world, I sat down last night to watch the Buffalo Bills play against the Cincinnati Bengals. And with about uh, just a shade under six minutes left in the first quarter, uh, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, makes a tackle on wide receiver T. Higgins. Seems routine enough. He gets back up for a couple, two, three seconds, and then just completely collapses backwards on the field. And uh, we know now that uh, DeMar was actually having a uh, cardiac episode. And uh, it was one of the more terrifying and gut-wrenching things that I think I've, I've seen in sports. Um, you know, there was a few years back, the soccer player that collapsed on the field. Oh, God, don't quote me on this. I think it was a Premier League game. Um, and there was that was definitely scary, too. Um, but this just... It hit different when you see a hundred or so warriors, and by warriors I mean football players, who understand, as Ryan Clark alluded to last night on on ESPN, and as as Booger McFarland uh, alluded to during the broadcast, is the players have a certain level of understanding of the risk that comes with the game, as far as you could. You can tear that ligament. You can break that bone. Uh, you can get that concussion. You know, hopefully not. But these are all, you know, calculated risks that not just a football player, but any athlete is going to take uh, when they step on the field with elite other elite athletes that are big, fast, and strong. Um, all that being said, this turns into a completely different situation. Uh, when an athlete is getting CPR done on them uh, while laying in the middle of the field, uh, you realize quickly that a human being is getting CPR because that human being has, has stopped breathing uh, on their own. And this is a, this is a scary time. The uh, fact he was involved on that tackle, I mean, I'm not a doctor. Uh, we only know what we know right now. Uh, we know he's still at the hospital. He's still in what they would say is critical condition is what he was listed as. Um, but this this is so much bigger than football. And while it ironically happened on a football field, we still don't really know if football has anything to do with it. Um, the hit may or may not have jostled the heart. They really don't know. It's one of those freakish things that you know the game has been played for so long now and no one has ever seen anything like this um it's it's it it, it was gut-wrenching and you you're first and foremost your thoughts go to the player and his family and then you learn as this was going on that his mother was actually in the crowd because she was there to watch him play um what could arguably be the biggest football game of his his professional career I believe he's either a rookie or a second year player 
Um, so to the, the father instinct in me takes over and you know, that's somebody's son, somebody's brother, friend, you know, the relationships and the fact that the players actually had to build a human wall uh, around him to basically act as the medical curtain to provide some level of privacy and dignity and honor and respect to who is now a patient. He's now a patient at this point. I mean, you can you can forget about football uh, in that moment. And uh, I've never seen I've never seen such a thing. I, I haven't um, in all my years watching and trying to explain to my to my daughter who walked into the room later, you know, what was going on. And, and rightfully so, the NFL wasn't showing replays because I wouldn't want to see my son basically go stiff and fall backwards. Um, he went out just like that. It was actually really troubling to watch. And I don't know if it was instinct or dumb luck, but you know, something told me that this was not, this was not a, uh, this wasn't a concussion protocol. This wasn't a head or neck injury. Something told me that this was, this wasn't an external thing. This was an internal thing. Um, and I didn't think there was going to be any way in hell they were going to resume a football game. Um, when you start to see the distress on the players' faces and the emotions come out, uh, and not just on the Buffalo Bills sideline, but also, too, on the Cincinnati Bengal uh, sideline. And the crowd just, <clears throat> I don't know if they hung around because they were hoping to get good news. I really don't think anybody expected a football game to carry on, um, especially after the two coaches met at, met at half field there. Um, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm not going to speculate. I wasn't there. Um, but I think it was a smart move by both the head coaches. Um, I think it was, you hate to say it's a classy thing. Like you, you, you would, you would, you know, I'm going to praise the Cincinnati Bengals and their fan base. I mean, there was fans outside the hospital last night holding the candlelight vigil for, for, for you know, the team's player, but that's the human element. That's the human element. And I think the human element really uh, rose to the top last night and throughout all that chaos and sadness, we saw the beauty of human nature and we saw the empathy and every piece of leadership and humanity that could have been displayed last night was put on full display by both organizations and the coaches and, and the fan base. Uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know there was a lot of Buffalo Bill fans there too. And, uh, you know, again, the fans waited. It was about, oh, a little after 10 p.m. Eastern when the announcement was finally officially made, like an official statement uh, was released from the league saying, you know, hey, this this game is suspended. And, uh, you know, whatever that's going to look like, who knows? Um, but that's not important. And so you saw in this in this crazy uh, tragedy, trauma-filled experience, you did see the beauty of the human spirit. You did see what's really important. If you were looking, you saw what's really important. Now, there was a few knuckleheads um, that basically, 
without putting them on blast here, because you could go on social media and you can you can form your own opinions on some certain talking heads in the sports community. One in uh, one in particular, his name rhymes with Skip. Uh, fuck the game, you know. And this is where, again, you get paid to talk about sports every day, all day. And maybe in this moment, you didn't know what to do. I, I will say that uh, I think Susie Colbert was pretty much telling you during that broadcast that, like, there's nothing that the three of us could say. It was her, it was Adam Schefter, it was Booger McFarlane. There's nothing we can say. We keep taking these quick commercial breaks and we keep coming back. They're not doctors. They don't have an official word yet. They got the information about as quickly as the rest of us. And I, I thought it was kind of a, and I don't know who makes that decision. So again, like the rest of you, not the rest of you, but those of you that maybe did get critical of the NFL, if you did think too much time was going by, um, which at one point in time I sure did, um, you know, just to make the official world word that, hey, we're done. I think the Bengals and the Bills made it pretty clear. I think when the two coaches met at half at the midfield there or wherever it was, I, I assume it was in the middle of the field. When they met there, there was a lot of empathy. You could see it in their eyes. They, they, they exchanged for a minute, and then both coaches look at their teams. They kind of make the circle, the wagons, and point to the locker room gesture because there was no way in hell. You know, and again, on TV, they're just, it's, it's live, it's raw, it's real. There's no redos. There's no 10-second buffers. Uh, you know, what Aikman and Buck are trying to talk about, what, you know, the ESPN studio people are trying to talk about. They're trying to fill that space, and they, they honestly didn't know how. I think they did the best they could. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely some sports talking heads. I mean, there were some people that complained about how Van Pelt was delivering his segment yesterday that you could just tell he wants to talk about a football game. Uh, but we can't talk about a football game because the football game, you throw it right out the window now. Um, uh, I, I, again, never been in that situation. And I, 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 I actually, I've I had a chance to step back. And when you think about the everything that has to happen real quick, right? First and foremost, you're, you have a player on your field that is fighting for his life, first and foremost. You have two franchises, clearly emotionally distraught, upset to the point of tears, openly running down their faces. There, was, there were plenty of guys crying, and nobody was trying to hide it. Um you have to think about the series of phone calls that has to begin to happen. You have to, in all this chaos, get enough people to have collective conversations, and it's several, it's not just one. Um, and there, there had to be some intel exchange going on back and forth, because first and foremost, if I'm the commissioner... And I'm not a huge fan of Roger Goodell. I've been critical of him in the past. But if I'm the commissioner, first and foremost, you get everybody off the field. And let's, how is that player? How is that player? Because, you know, the one thing that was different, and they spoke about it last night, is, you know, we have seen ambulances come out on football fields before. 
Um, or you've seen the stretcher come out, guys have to get immobilized, but there's that peace of mind as they're being taken into the back where they give you that peace sign or that thumbs up. They're showing you they can move. That wasn't happening here. You were not getting that peace of mind that, okay, my brother's going to be all right. He's got all his wits about him. He's, he's moving and he's in the good hands. Okay. I could finish this game. He might need a surgery. He might never play again, but nowhere in that scenario were we worried about, you know, our brother dying. And I think you learned last night that these athletes don't throw those phrases around loosely. When they call you brother, when they say that's my family, these guys have relationships, and Troy Aikman alluded to it last night. They have relationships well beyond their playing years. These guys become best friends. They become their children's uncles, godparents, godmothers. Families blend in together. It's a brotherhood. It's a family. And I think you saw last night that that family is actually pretty big. That family is not relegated and defined simply by the the team jersey that you pull over your shoulder pads. That family, like the Cincinnati Bengals, went from opponent to cousin in a matter of two seconds last night. I cannot applaud them enough. They handled that as human as you could uh, in a game that is fueled by money and, let's say, greed. Okay? And, uh, yeah. They, they did everything, as far as I'm concerned, the organization, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, both organizations, did everything as well as you could, given that situation. And that's not something that anybody practiced for. I, I can promise you that. Um, you, you, it's, it's probably going to change now. And uh, so I was talking to some friends this morning and... Uh, I pray that this story has an incredibly happy ending. I hope that Damar Hamlin obviously survives. Um, I'm not too concerned if he plays football ever again. I, I want the young man to be all right, and I want him to get answers as to what the hell just happened to him. Because, again, I had a scare a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to know what the hell happened. And so with the answers comes a little bit of clarity and a little bit of closure and a, a little bit of a preparedness, if you will. And that's just how goddamn scary it is. It hits you so quick. And uh, yeah, yeah, to, to watch a human being fall like that uh, after he stood up and kind of adjusted his wrist pads there for a second, it, was look, it looked like he was getting ready to, you know, get back in the huddle. And uh at that moment, just bang, you know, the everything he had in him, all the energy just left his body and he stiffened up and just fell backwards. It was, yeah, it, it was crazy to watch it and playing it back in my head, even as I'm, you know, doing this podcast, it just, the human instinct takes over where you're just like, hey, that's not right. That wasn't a, you know, that wasn't a, ooh, he took a hit to the head, and oh, that's why. It was it was just the way it went down. And uh, again, the hit could have been co purely coincidental. No idea right now. No idea right now, because there are people that bring up T. Higgins, and you know what he must feel like. And 
I mean, two guys made a football play that they've been making that play for as long as they've been playing the game. And uh, so there was no maliciousness. It was it was a good it was a good football tackle. It was a nice play by the offense. It was a nice play by Hamlin to, you know, kind of cut the angle because I think Higgins could have still been running. And, uh, you know, we can't say that if Hamlin doesn't make the tackle, this still doesn't happen to him. Maybe it happens in the huddle. Maybe it happens the next play. Did it happen simply because he was running? Was there an underlying health condition there? We don't know right now. But what we know right now is the young man is fighting for his life. He is, uh, he is still alive. He's in critical condition. Uh, last report that we saw on that. And, uh, you know, I want to concentrate. Again, I don't want to get too too critical of the NFL. I think if you go all the way from start to finish, it took about an hour for them to, to come to terms, make all the phone calls that they have to make, and, uh, you know, shut that game down because there was no way in hell they were playing that game. And, and again, I don't know if they got to say what they got to say because they don't know the answer, if they were trying to fill TV time, you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, I, I applaud Susie, uh, Adam, and Booger for just trying uh, to, I don't know, be the voices of comfort in the moment because I feel like my cousin sat there and watched it until 1 a.m. He, he flipped over to ESPN and he stayed with it. And that's how we know, like, Bengal fans were outside of the hospital with candles and they, they accompanied Bill's fans. And, you know, Stefan Diggs apparently took an Uber to the hospital. That was the rumor. I think he was one of the first Bill's players there, if not the first. Um, you know, and the security was giving him a hard time. And I guess the guy from ESPN had to vouch for him and say, yo, yeah, no, that's really Stefan Diggs. Um, yeah, and that's a Buffalo Bill player that's in the hospital. Uh, so where it went after that, I'm not sure. But just yeah. there was some beautiful displays of humanity in, in that chaos. And as I pointed out to my best friend, Ed, uh, earlier today, that is the I can't recall a time on live, regular-ass network television where the mutual message was, you need to pray. Let God take care of this guy and pray. It's been a long... I don't know if ever, ever, but I could tell you the young man is still alive, and, uh, man, if God had an answering machine... He's still checking through messages this morning. Um, and that's all we could do. That's all we could do is we can we pray that this young man is taken into God's hands and God watches over him and and brings him back to good health and good spirits. And, uh, you know, obviously we don't know these players personally, but the Bills Mafia is a very uh, tight-knit fan base. They've got good things to say about this kid. Uh, good head on his shoulders. He was doing a, a charity fundraiser to to buy kids toys. His goal was $2,500. And before I came on to record this podcast, I believe it now sits at $3.3 million. <laughs> So, <clears throat> fuck. That's the power of people. And uh, so... We, uh, we, we keep the Hamlin family uh, in our prayers, in our thoughts. And man, if you got kids that play sports, may you never see that, ever.
I got two. Hey, you never see that. Exposed ones. I got to go. Um, hug your loved ones. All right. Don't take nothing for granted. We'll talk to y'all later.